today briefly that the topic would be today I learned. I thought of this last year dear listener when I heard of a report during one of the flood emergencies that Australia had during 2022 that some camels had to be airlifted out of a paddock because they could not swim. During flood emergencies in rural areas, frequently animals swim out of a flooded area guided by people. Horses and cows do it all the time. And apparently these camels had to be airlifted out because they couldn't swim. I've since looked up and have found out that mostly camels don't swim, but there is one breed of camel over in India or Oman or somewhere where they do swim and they swim for kilometres looking for food. They swim out to little offshore islands. And so my whole premise for the Today I Learned topic, dear listener, has blown up in my face. So that leaves Eddie, Sid and me tonight. And dear listener, we could sign off now, but eh. Let's not. How are you, boys? Yeah, good. I couldn't help thinking about that introduction. If I was on a boat and I saw a camel swimming past me, I'd be wondering if I, if I am hallucinating. Yeah, they're not really the type of animal you think of as great swimmers, are they? No, hmm. no, they're not. I think that's what just piqued my interest with that little snippet last year. And I thought we could do an episode out of that because everybody is learning stuff every day you just don't realize that you're acquiring knowledge all the time and today dear listener I have learnt stuff but it is stuff to do with my work and not stuff for me to be talking about on a podcast so I'm still here with nothing so Eddie what have you learnt today well like yourself uh, princess I learned a couple of things about the family that I can't really bring up as well went to a funeral today and um yeah I guess I've learnt that all families have dark little secrets that very rarely come to light. And when they do, it's um, quite shocking, especially when they come to light when somebody's standing up giving a speech in front of all the people there. So, yeah, it was, was quite And this shocking. is the speech giver thought it was common knowledge or was letting the cat out of the bag? Oh, no, the speech giver knew it was common knowledge and pretty much everyone in the room knew it as well. But Mm -hmm. when he said it, it was kind of like a a very, like there was laughter, but it wasn't real funny laughter. It was laughter and did he really just say that type thing? (laughs) Yeah. So it was was quite (laughs) shocking. Yeah. Sometimes you have those moments in your social life and in your professional life and some when somebody will come out with a statement and you get this fixed look on your face, which isn't really a smile but is also partly a grimace, and you think, did they really say that? And then you're thinking, where do you go from there, which is a safe comment to make? Very I do much remember, so, yeah. I do remember one of the funerals that I went to where it was abundantly clear that whilst all of my siblings knew this person very well, they all had a vastly different relationship with them. 
and the difference in the relationship really just stood out. There were very, almost no, sorry, pardon me, similarities in the pattern. Like each person had a relationship on a completely different level compared to the others. And it was almost like this ability for this person to like change gears, take on a new persona with whomever they were dealing with. And that was what was coming out. You could say they adapted to their audience, but it was a common theme like, no, I never had that with that person. And somebody who said, oh, I had that all the time. And, so, and then the rest would go, no, I didn't. They talked about this. And, and it was very clear that, you know, the person that she presented herself to be was always different compared to who she was talking to. There was no similarities there. That was quite a surprise. We all started to wonder, like, can we put the jigsaw a bit together to work out who the person was? Could you say that that just shows that the person had her own complex personality, but also she was trying to be, and clearly was, a good friend to you and your siblings by tailoring what she thought you needed in your relationship? I think that was tailoring, but also felt like uh, what was being withheld from some people was completely unnecessary. And I think that was the part like, Jesus, I've known them for years. I never knew about that aspect. You know, it never come up. It never been talked about. And then someone says, oh, we used to do do that all the time. And it was just funny how even with the siblings, we didn't communicate that because we all thought like we all knew this person pretty well, but it was abundantly clear it was a different relationship that we all had. Yeah. And uh, I remember yeah, that yeah, it was really like a jigsaw, a jigsaw puzzle just trying to put the pieces together. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Eddie, you were about to say? Oh, no, I was just saying it, it can be quite shocking when you um, when you discover information like that. It, it really sort of sets you, you on your bum. But, um, yeah, interesting, an interesting day. Yeah. So what did you learn today, Sid? I can't say I learned something um, that's almost, that would be shareable. I um, had a good one-on-one debrief with someone that I'm mentoring at work, and I thought, you know, the best type of mentoring relationships is what you learn from the, the mentee. I think to share it, it might be a bit in the boring category, but uh, I, I think that was probably the, the good reinforcer. Like if you're the mentor, you can actually be the mentee just by listening to the person you're supposed to be mentoring. And I thought that was a really good, you know, reinforcement of today. That's probably the big lesson. The big reinforcer is like you can learn a lot by your job just by mentoring people. And you're meant to be like the expert, but you hear you learn a lot from them. Just I was wondering what that tickle- was, Princess. I've just got that tickly end of I'm at the end of a cold, I'm I'm fine, but just that mm-hmm. tickly bit in your throat left. It's most annoying. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Safety is yes, still you, you missed a um, a very good night actually last week. It was great. Oh I'm sad I missed it, but in terms of health, I did the right thing. Just to give you an idea, this place that we went to, I've never been there before, it's in the city. Entree was this metre-long pizza. Oh. I kid you not, when they put it in the middle on the table, and I think Eddie was better disciplined because Because he only had one piece, which enabled him to eat the mains afterwards. And when it came to my mains, um, I hit the threshold very quickly because I'd had probably too much pizza and that was like the entree, but that really hit the mark. Nice cake, good conversation. And uh, typically of a lot of these do's, the guys are at one end of the table and the women are at the other. I noticed that quite a lot. 
That's all right, because that way the women get the better conversation. Well, you don't know until you yeah, listen to right. what the guys are talking about. <laughs> Let us explain, dear listener, last week it was Graham's, Marianne's birthday and it was a zero, so there was a celebration. And three of the attendees at this dinner also attended Magic Round for the NRL. So I would imagine that quite a bit of the conversation at the male end of the table was around NRL. You would be wrong. Right, good. Yeah, no, I'm sorry I missed it because I was starting to get better from the cold, but it just I just break out in these coughing fits. So it was yeah, it best that I good wasn't... to have you would have been suited with the guys. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, it was a good night. But rest mm. assured, Princess, we had great fun without you. I'm sure you did, and I'm confident in that knowledge. Somehow Eddie convinced us to meet back at the club uh, across the road from where he lived. I thought that was very well done. Oh, no, was... nothing to do with me. That was um, that was purely Graham and um, and family. I thought that oh, was okay. rather we're... sensible. Yeah, we were happy yeah. to go anywhere, but um, it just worked out they wanted to stop there. Well, it's Certainly a good not spot our to suggestion. stop. Yeah. And it's not like we were in front of a big screen watching sport or anything. No. no, it's not like the cricket's on from England or there's um, rugby league on the TV. Yeah. Yeah, unless no, uh, I would two have, metres away from us. I really mm. would have enjoyed a night out on the tiles, but best I had didn't. And I didn't want to spread it any further. I mean, as it is, Mr Safety's got a second be- go of it. He was just getting over it and it's come back and bit him again. This has been um, <laughs> fascinating listening for the oh. listener at the moment. Absolutely fascinating. Yes, We've been yes. really focused on ourselves big time, like, oh, you know. Yeah, well. Our one we listener from Botswana must be so impressed. Well, that's if the listener from Botswana is still listening. That's true. They've probably we had enough of their Australian English. We haven't had any stats through to tell us who's listening. So, dear listener, if you would like to let us know if you're listening and where you're from, we'd love to hear from you. And Eddie, in particular has some prizes to give for any listener who gets in contact with us at the podcast with no name. Oh, I know how this goes. How does it go, Sydney? I've heard this one before. Come on, how does it go? First prize will be a night out with Sid. Second Uh, prize is two nights out with me? Yeah. Uh, Well, second prize would be be a game of golf with Eddie. No, no, second prize is two nights with Sid. Oh, do we have to? I was. It's a very old chestnut, that one. All right. What do you think? It was very predictable. <clears throat> Second prize, dear listener, is two nights out with Sid. Are you saying Sid's chestnuts are very old? We know they're very old, but they're not as old as yours. Mm, that's true. I was going to say something. Um, it was going to be funny then, and it's gone. Oh, well. In fact, your chestnuts even had their own mini episode about them. What? Yes, they did. They did. Well, there's a little kind of pipe, so to speak, biological pipe that comes from the chestnuts yes. that he decided to have snipped. And oh. he had to have his own yes, episodes. Yes, yes. So basically, yes. more people have seen his chestnuts than what they've seen mine. But they happen to be medical people. I believe because the technical the st- um, name for that one, Sid, is the VAS, V-A-S. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you had a whole lot of uh, medical students come in and observe your procedure. I did. I did indeed. And, and that way you've had probably more men and women see down there than me included. Wow. It did give me an insight into what women go through during um, pregnancy 
with that whole feet up in the stirrup thing. It's not a, a nice feeling, is it? No, you feel very exposed. Oh, I was exposed. <laughs> you feel very exposed. Just about anything that is on the female body that needs regular testing involves exposure of some kind. Well, the practicality is how do they get there? How do they check it out? That's exactly it. Yeah, it's it's not pleasant at all. Going back to things we've learnt, I realised that when I was a lot younger, around 19, I was very directionless. I noticed tonight my son is, um, instead of sitting at home on a, on a Friday night, he's organised an he's online like cooking class where he's invited people he knows to get onto Discord and he has set up a downward-facing camera over the area he's cooking. He's also got his laptop there, which shows his face, and he's got his phone connected to it as well, so he can actually put the phone and show individual things. Oh, my goodness. That's absolutely class. magnificent. He's doing a, doing a three-course meal out there that we're all waiting for. Um, <laughs> wow. We'll probably sit down to eat at about 11. But um, but it will amazing. be gourmet. He's doing, he's doing oh, yeah. lasagna with, like, fresh-made pasta. He's mm-hmm. actually rolled the pasta and everything. Oh, he's doing better. cinnamon scrolls made from scratch. Mm-hmm. And creme brulee for dessert. Wow. But he is I'm so only 15 lucky. minutes drive away, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I could be there. I'm probably slightly that. more, but yeah. Well, feel free if you want to come uh, over. Yeah. You know, the, thing the thing is, is I'm is... not changing my clothes and I can't go yeah. out in public wearing what I've got on. Oh, no. <clears> who, who's going to care? Really? I think the cops have seen worse if they pull you over. What's that Where it gets me? a bit tricky is when you're in a car accident and you get taken to the ED. Yeah. And people have come in dressed like that. Yeah. Nothing underneath. Well, I must say, in the suburb that I live, it's nothing for locals to be walking around in pyjamas and their thongs on because I think they must be the only shoes they own with socks and their hoodies with the hood up. Mm, morning, night, noon. They really do make an effort when they step out the door, I must say. Bottles with socks. Oh, a a lot. And what would that be? It's the Asian Ugg boot. Really? I didn't (laughs) think that. Dear listener, I've learned something. Today I learned thongs with socks is the Asian Ugg boot. It's a thing, the Asian Ugg boot. Well, I did not know that. I've learned something today. Happy days. We are a bank of useless knowledge here at the podcast with no name. Well, yes, and like you said, how cool is it that Eddie Jr. is running a cooking class tonight? Maybe he's Oh, practic- we are so impressed. Ke- Mary Ann's friend Kelly is here as well. Yeah, she came over to sign some photos for a passport for one of the kids, and um, she was interested. She said, oh, I might stay. So, yeah, we're looking forward to this. It's, it's impressive. He's got this yeah. whole thing happening, and it's, it's like three camera views. It's... It's seriously impressive. You know what? He might be practising for a side hustle. You know, he practises, see if the concept is proved, then he can turn it into a moneymaker. Yeah, well, I told him to record it and then post it on YouTube and start up a channel. Because people watch this stuff. Mm. I think it's partly inspired from the Good Food and Wine show we went to a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks back. But he's so lucky. I mean, when you think about... Uh, from my experience, I was at school. I did have some part-time jobs on the side and that kind of thing. You're not as much exposed to life uh, like you are when you leave it. 
So how do you get a really good idea of what you want to do when you're thinking 19? You've got to search for things like it's very hard to put your mind to a career that's going to work for you. Um, you might do something safe. He's like, well, if I do this, I'll always have a job, but I still don't know what I want. I think it's very normal to say you don't know what you want when you're 18 and you've just left school. You have some broadish ideas, probably some things you know you never want to do and some things you know you do want to do. Yeah, I mean, when you said that you felt a bit aimless, I understand that totally from my own profession. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Different people feel different things. I did not feel aimless. I had planned to become a primary teacher when I left school. But when I was doing the HSC, I came down with a massive dose of the flu and barely made it through an exam, which was enough to knock the few points off my... What was the word? What did oh, we have? I forgot. What they, was it ATAR back then? The aggregate. Oh. Knock a few points mm-hmm. off the aggregate and mm-hmm. kept me out of primary teaching. So I went to uni in Canberra for the training course for my current profession and got into it and liked it. And I think 33 years later, I think I can say I landed on my feet. But that was yeah, just pure happenstance. Sliding door moment, Princess. Yeah, sliding it was. Sliding door moment. It absolutely was. Who knows what would have happened had you gone that other route? You know, you may have married someone else. You may have moved other places. and Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's interesting to think about what could have happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, but for two marks. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Two marks. There's some places there that would say that's close enough and let you in if they've got a space. Well, the plan was that I was going to go and just get a couple of weeks into semester, wait until a couple of people dropped out of education and then go across and swap courses. But they gave me a dinky little machine and equipment and it looked interesting and I stuck with it. I could absolutely see you being a primary school teacher. Be a cranky old one now. Some kid going, princess, princess, (laughs) can you help me with this? No, I think you'd have the right uh, temperament for it. Uh, I don't know that I would anymore. I yeah, but I think I it's your existing job that probably has um, tested your patience. Kids will do it in a different way, but I think um, <laughs> I think you'd be very good at it. Oh, thank you, Sid. That's very kind of you. My sister yeah, thinks our differently. Former, um, our former podcasting colleague, Moses, um, school teacher, but he, he tells me that there's a very, very high dropout rate at the moment. There's a lot of people leaving the profession and just... Mm. going to work at Bunnings and places like that because they just can't handle the stress anymore. It's just yeah. too much for them. How do you well, find it, Sid, like working in that environment? I would have to acknowledge that I work in a different environment uh, compared to Moses where um, I'm not in a high school environment. I'm more so in a TAFE environment, so firstly a different audience. But I have taught like Year 10 and HSC, Year 10 where where they were, Admittedly, some of them were animals, and you felt like a lot of the time you're dealing with just disciplinary issues rather than the teaching. I can still remember with one group that I probably set my world record for suspending someone. I did it within about three minutes of the class starting. Uh, his behaviour was that ridiculous. And then when I got him close, I thought, oh, you're drunk. You know, I could smell it on him. And I just said, right, okay, take you somewhere else. And they just agreed... You know, he'd already broken enough rules already, including being, you know, completely off his face drunk, uh, which was also illegal at his age as well. 
And uh, I think what you wore you down was how much discipline that you were dealing with in terms of behavioural discipline. And I always took it with a like a good sense of humour, but it did feel like an arm wrestle. When you're dealing with more so adults, probably the main issue that you do get is when it is behavioural health. Some won't just take responsibility for their own learning, even though they choose to do the course. Unlike school, where there's a mandatory aspect, so you've got to be there till you're 17. I think probably the worst aspect of you know working in TAFE or any RTO is is that generally speaking, that uh, in terms of complaints, the student is always regarded as being right, and that makes it very difficult if their behaviour is absolutely impossible. But, I struggle to see you as a disciplinarian. Um, you've got to wear different masks. There's a, certainly a different me when I'm in a classroom. And I, I do notice it's like flicking a switch, you get into character. Yes, you notice that with school teacher friends. They certainly have a school teacher mode, which they can turn on and off very quickly. I think the one thing about being a teacher is you learn very quickly about which things that you go into bat for and argue and which things you leave alone. The old, am I going to die on this hill argument? Oh, you, you, you just triage, like, immediately how important. Is it just small irritation and it's just best to let it go? I've read an article on ABC News today. The article was on www.abc.net.au and the title is Universities Given Two Years to Overhaul Teaching Degrees After Education Minister's Meeting. And the key points are... Universities have been given two years to overhaul their education degrees. Changes they must adopt include teaching classroom management and effective ways to teach reading and writing. And the education ministers have agreed in principle with the changes in a bid to fix Australia's teacher shortage. Other relevant ones... An independent review using NAPLAN data found the percentage of students underperforming in reading dropped dramatically between 2019 and 2022. Oh, sorry, sorry. That was um, one regional director of Catholic education has taken it upon himself to put all his teachers through a course to improve their teaching styles and stuff. And the schools that those teachers teach at, the underperformance in reading dropped from 42% to 4% in three years. So all those kids' reading improved drastically. Yeah, so the universities wow. must improve... by that much. By that much. The four areas of core content universities will have to teach is the brain and learning, so content that provides teachers with an understanding of how the brain processes, stores and retrieves information. That's um, basic. I know that's a cognition subject in psychology. Yeah, but teachers mm. are all... You know, I just know from when my, when Wonder Boy was in the primary school and the teaching styles that the teachers, the young teachers were using, and they couldn't control a classroom. They couldn't deal with kids who needed a bit different teaching style. They couldn't adapt what they knew. The four areas, so one is the brain and learning. Two is effective pedagogical practices. So yeah, literacy, I that. Yeah. literacy and numeracy teaching strategies as well as teaching in a way that supports how students' brains work. Classroom management, so ways to manage and foster positive learning environments such, such as establishing rules and routines and modelling desired behaviour. I mean, I'm sorry, where did that go? Where 
why hasn't that been taught if they've got to raise it as one of the main points to be put back into teaching degrees? That's really scary. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. The final one is responsive teaching, which is content that ensures teachers teach in ways that are culturally and contextually appropriate and responsive to student needs, which, again, fair call. But why hasn't it been used? Why haven't they been learning this stuff? And for how long? Yeah, you would have thought it was a a given, wouldn't you? Yeah. There's a breakdown there of a few things that really got my attention, talking about, like, uh, classroom slash behavioural management um, strategies, I would have to admit that that was fairly poor when I was studying and it was something yeah. that I did learn as I went along and uh, that aspect certainly does need improving. But when you actually break it down, there's the things like how do you set up the class, set up uh, you know boundaries, parameters, rules, all that kind of thing, how you maintain like expectations, deadlines, that's a universal. That should be explained in the very first lesson. This is how I operate. And so at least they know when they're breaking the rules or something like that. And the more they kind of cooperate and work with you, the less rigid you have to be after a while because they're working with you. Now, that aspect is usually in terms of like boundary and rule setting is usually taught. But when you're expanding that and dealing with like troublesome behaviours, well, I think you've got to look at the difference in troublesome behaviours in the last 20 years. They're kind of, in some ways, ramped up a bit. Yes, they have. Um, Like I said, I jokingly referred to uh, throwing out someone who was drunk in class. Now, that's happened before. Uh, That's happened since then. I think probably the funniest thing is I actually had someone physically, uh, sort of verbally threaten me, and maybe the way I dealt with it actually helped out because I couldn't stop laughing at him. I thought it was hilarious. But that kind of deflated the issue straight away. Like, you do get a few people like that. And um, just not knowing, I suppose, the the lack of emotional maturity and maybe it's because some people who you get a, bit, a little bit more uh, mollycoddled when they're grown up and they're not really exposed to ways to being resilient. Resilience is probably the biggest difference that I've noticed in the last 20 years. And how to d- deal... Failure can sometimes be a really good thing. You get a a poor result and you've got to stop and take stock. It's like, what do I need to change? How do I go about it? Well, I need to talk to the teacher, don't I? I It's an opportunity. I can only speak from my son's experience in the primary school before we moved him out of that school. And quite a few of the young teachers had no idea how to control and discipline a class. And you don't need to discipline so much if you've got control. They just... A a lot of it is proactive, yeah. Yeah, it's just not sets boundaries. And there was one teacher there who was older and she ran a classroom like we experienced in the 1970s and her kids absolutely worshipped the ground she walked on. They knew exactly mm. where they stood with her. They knew that they would have some fun through the day at some stage but there was learning to do and they got in and they did it. And she ran her own race, essentially, in the school. She really was quite different to most of the other young teachers who were there. But my son, he was sinking fast at that school and we changed the school Mm. and put him into a private school where they were teaching in a more controlled way. Mm. And within six months, he had turned around. 
Yeah, in, um, prob- in what he could do and how he could do it. Like you, you belong and you're actually achieving something can <clears throat> change a lot. Yeah. Another thing that was brought up there, and I noticed the shift in responsibility, but if you're talking about literacy uh, rates and things like that, it seems like the shift is now going on like, How's a kid going to learn about uh, numeracy, literacy, all those kind of things? Like the shift is now is totally re- the responsibility of the school. It's not the responsibility of a partial responsibility, pardon me, of the family or the community or things like that. I mean, yeah. what's ever happened to like parents just say, look, come on, let's give this a crack. Let's read a book while I'll read it with you, you know, that kind of thing and engaging their mind. I mean, they should be working together not just saying this is the school's responsibility and it's probably that thinking I've noticed that shift where they've taken on responsibility that seems to be away from the parents. Now, of course, there's a bigger dynamic than that. Some parents are working so so much absurd hours it's hard for them to do that. But, but uh, what kind of culture Yeah, I was just going to say that. See, it's kind of a reflection of society these days. I mean, some some parents are working so many hours they just don't have time to do it. But, yeah, look, I agree. There's definitely been a shift and the responsibility appears no longer to be on the family and it's it's on the school. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, but, I mean, a, a shared is, responsibility. Yeah, and that is also seen in, again, in public schools with their Healthy Canteens campaign mm-hmm. where canteens have had to drastically change how they serve food and what kinds of food they're allowed to provide because they've got to provide the children healthy food and it's got to be this, that and the other, which is fine, but the people behind it seem to be forgetting that a child's at school for six hours a day, five days a week, and every ten weeks they get two weeks off and there's 18 hours a day when when they're supposedly with their family where they can eat whatever the family gives them. I'm speaking about younger children here, of course, so... I don't see why they have to come down so hard on the schools because if the kids can't get what they want at the healthy canteen, they'll walk the 50 yards down the road to the fish and chip shop or the lolly shop or whatever and buy what they want. But So people need to start taking some responsibility Mm. for themselves and stop making schools do it. Unfortunately, um, a lot of them don't. That's just the reality of of the society we're in today. It is. responsibility it's just has been demarcated we can notice it in the time that we grew up compared to what's happening these days i mean yeah it seems like a different world we're living in at the moment it is a different world and in my professional life i'm seeing regularly the result of people who have lived their lives never being told no that goes into where i was talking about resilience us to the end of part one of our discussion dear listener we seem to have moved off the topic of things we learned today and um, frankly i don't see us going back to it but you never know join us for part two for the conclusion of our discussion and to see if we do learn something else today until then dear listener take care bye bye because i'm just going to make shit up tonight so um we may not stay on topic at all. Don't worry, I'll be making up. Do we have shit a topic? Going. No, because and you're not allowed to tell kids. This is your pole dancing no. career. <laughs>